MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, February 10th, 2022. Today, the National Archives have made a criminal referral to the Department of Justice for Donald's destruction of government documents. The January 6th committee has subpoenaed Green Bay sweep confessor Peter Navarro. The North Carolina Elections Board says it has the authority to police which candidates should or should not be disqualified under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment in the Madison-Cawthorn legal challenge. And Rudy Giuliani apparently asked a Michigan prosecutor to seize voting machines. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Hello, hello. Hell of a news day today. I didn't seem to get a break. Later in the show, I'm very, very happy I got to speak today with the host of the Politics Girl podcast. Her name is Lee McGowan. She's on the Midas Touch Network. And she's truly, truly an amazing person. And I, I can't wait for you to hear that interview. And then later on, I'll be joined by Amy Carrero for the good news, which is really exciting. And now, uh, providing that no other news, I'm just checking here. I'm just checking my sources here. Um, let's see. Yeah, no, no other breaking news as of this point. So let's let's get to it before more happens. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, it's hard to pick a lead story today, but I'm going to go with the National Archives history cops making a criminal referral to the Department of Justice to investigate Donald's handling of White House records. This is from The Washington Post. The National Archives and Records Administration has asked the Justice Department to examine Donald Trump's handling of White House records, sparking discussions among federal law enforcement officials about whether they should investigate the former president for a possible crime. That's according to two people familiar with the matter. The referral from the National Archives came amid recent revelations that officials recovered 15 boxes and materials from the former president's Mar-a-Lago residence in Florida that were not handed back into the government as they should have been, and that Trump had turned over other White House records that had been torn up. Archives officials suspected Trump had possibly violated laws concerning handling of government documents, including those that might be considered classified, and reaching out to the Justice Department. So that's interesting because that's the big deal here, right? And Peter Strzok tweeted about this. Considered classified. If there were classified documents that were mishandled grossly and negligently, that could be a big problem. And that's according to people familiar with the matter. I also want to bring up here, too, with Mark Meadows. We know from a couple weeks ago that actually, gosh, maybe a couple months ago, that the National Archives was working with Mark Meadows to try to get documents back that weren't handed over. And I was wondering in my head as this story broke, if that could be the delay in the Mark Meadows indictment for criminal contempt, because if they're looking at the archives thing, because this this referral didn't happen today, it happened sometime in the past and we don't know when. But if they're looking at the archives stuff, they already knew Mark Meadows hadn't turned over certain documents and they were trying to work with him to get that. We already knew that. So maybe that's what the holdup is in, in the, uh, the, the Meadows indictment watch. Anyway, back to the regularly scheduled program. These people who spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss a politically sensitive request told the Post 
that the discussions about the matter remained preliminary. It's not yet clear whether the Justice Department will investigate. The department also might be interested in merely reclaiming classified materials and not prosecuting. And that's always a possibility. A Justice Department spokesman has declined to comment, which is what they're supposed to do. I know it makes me mad, too. The Washington Post reported last month that some of the White House records the National Archives turned over to the committee had appeared to be torn up and taped back together. And the Post later found in the archives confirmed that officials had received and recovered 15 boxes of presidential records from Mar-a-Lago. Democratic congressional committee chairs this week have expressed concern about Trump's adherence to the Presidential Records Act and archive requirements. Rep. Carolyn Maloney, chair of the House Oversight Committee, said this week that the records removal from Trump's Florida club will be investigated in the Oversight Committee. And that's good. Trump's reported actions regarding White House records were, quote, deeply troubling, but not surprising, she said in a statement. Earlier this week, Senator Gary Peters of Michigan said in a statement, Congress must take action to ensure that every administration is appropriately handling and preserving important records related to the president's official duties. Peters, chairman of the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee, which has jurisdiction over the National Archives, is working on legislation to strengthen records laws and plans to hold hearings on the topic in the coming months. How many seconds until the former guy puts out a a screaming statement saying, See, I couldn't have violated the Presidential Records Act. It's ambiguous. Nobody knows what it says. And the proof is, is that the Senate is trying to reform the law. He has done this with another law, hasn't he? He has said the Electoral Count Act is so ambiguous. I was getting Pence to overturn electors and false slates of electors. That's normal. That's totally normal. And Pence can totally overturn the election. The reason that you aren't sure is because the law is so ambiguous and And the proof that the law is so ambiguous is the fact that the bipartisan select committee, quote unquote, is uh, trying to reform it. And there's a big bipartisan push to do that. And we see Republican senators like Susan Collins saying, well, it's very confusing and my brow is furrowed. And so that's giving Trump sort of cover. Right. But it's not going to work, in my personal opinion. Anyway, back to our original program. According to The Post, substantiating a criminal case against Trump and perhaps even launching a criminal investigation could be difficult. I disagree, Washington Post. It might be difficult to prove intent here, but a stat, but launching a criminal investigation is not difficult. You have way more than preponderance of the evidence here. You have plenty of, of substantiated factual predicate, as they call it, to open an investigation here. Legal experts and analysts, the Post says, have noted the National Archives lacks a real enforcement mechanism. And all recent administrations have had some violations of federal records laws, most often involving the use of unofficial emails and telephone accounts. Ann Weissman, longtime chief counsel for Citizens Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, said that Trump, quote, clearly violated the Records Act in multiple ways and that even if the statute was essentially not enforceable, the Justice Department should still investigate. And I agree. She says if they don't investigate, given how flagrant these violations appear to be, it would basically be saying there's no accountability under the statute. She said, imagine the scenario if Trump was reelected and what that would mean. And there was no consequences for all of these violations. He would have an entire White House that just thumbed their nose at the Presidential Records Act. And I understand through the climate we live in, everything is viewed through a political lens. But I don't think that should stop the Justice Department at all. I agree, Ann Weissman. Now, the Post says here that federal law makes it a crime to destroy government records, but it requires that a person know specifically that they're breaking the law. They say that could be difficult to do for Trump, 
who advisors say tore up documents out of habit, leaving staffers to retrieve and assemble pieces and piles of torn paper. According to people familiar with the matter, Trump had been counseled at least twice by two chiefs of staff and the White House counsel to follow the law on preserving the documents. And, excuse me, when you say they have to specifically know they're breaking the law and that could be difficult to do for Trump, we have Trump on video citing the Presidential Records Act almost word for word when talking about Hillary's emails. And we have Donald telling reporters he thinks Nancy Pelosi should have been prosecuted for violating the Presidential Records Act when she tore up his State of the Union speech, which was just a copy, by the way. So it would not be hard to prove that he knows the Presidential Records Act and that destroying documents is against the law. He has said it on multiple occasions and we have it on tape. Lordy, there are tapes. What could be difficult that Washington Post does not mention here is DOJ would probably have to prove intent here, right? I'm not a lawyer, but I, I think that this could be done by showing which documents he decided to destroy and which he left intact. He obviously kept all the ego stroking stuff, but destroyed the Pence correspondence of the pressure Pence campaign to overthrow electors, apparently, according to the archives, that's been confirmed. And did he destroy that Pence stuff during the impeachment probe? Because that could be obstruction of justice, too. Well, we'll see how it shakes out. But we should be aware this is not an open and shut case. I know I'm making it sound like it is because to me it is, but I am also not a lawyer. Because, I mean, let's if the Presidential Records Act created after Nixon, because he the, the 18 minutes of lost tapes and not, and, and not turning over documents to the White House, they created the Presidential Records Act for that. And if the Presidential Records Act isn't for this, then I don't understand what it's for. And on a personal note, by the way, I have a lot of friends who work in the National Library of Congress. I have a lot of friends who are librarians. I have a lot of friends who are historians. And in this age of fascists burning books and banning the teaching of real American history, I think it would be especially delicious if librarians and historians helped save democracy with this criminal referral to the Department of Justice. And another bombshell from the Washington Post. In the weeks after the 2020 election, Rudy Giuliani and other legal advisors to the then former President Trump asked a Republican prosecutor in northern Michigan to get his county's voting machines. Just seize them and give them over to the Trump's team. And that's according to the prosecutor who talked to The Washington Post. Antrim County prosecutor, to be exact, James Rossiter, said in an interview that Giuliani and several colleagues made the request during a telephone call, mm, telephone calls, after the county initially misreported its election results. It was, a, it was a mistake. It was an error. It was a clerical error. The inaccurate tallies meant that Joe Biden appeared to have beaten Trump by 3,000 votes in a Republican stronghold county. But that's an error that soon placed Antrim at the center of a false claims mishap by Trump that the election had been stolen. He hung it all on that one clerical error, which was immediately corrected. Rossiter said uh, he declined to seize voting machines. He said, quote, I said, I can't just say give them here. We don't have that magical power to just demand things as prosecutors. You need probable cause. It almost sounds like he wants to put your dumbass on the end of that, doesn't it? <laughs> Even if he had sufficient grounds to take the machines as evidence, Rossiter said, he couldn't have released them to outsiders or a party with any interest in the matter. Right? Giuliani's team called Rossiter around November 20th, 2020. And that's according to Rossiter as it worked to overturn Trump's defeat. The direct appeal to local law enforcement, which he is, he's a local law enforcement official, was part of a broader effort, as we know, by Trump's allies to access voting machines in an attempt to prove the election was stolen. That effort extended to a recently disclosed draft executive order for Trump's signature to have National Guard troops seize machines across the nation. A post-examination 
found the call to Rossiter was also part of a behind the scenes intervention by Trump's legal team in Antrim that seized on the county's election night blunder and helped twist the mistake into supposed proof of a vast conspiracy to rig the election. Oh, my God. Antrim is dominated by elected Republicans and that small rural county last backed a Democrat for president in 1964. A review commissioned by state officials later found the election night error was largely the result of officials' failure to properly update machines that scan and count paper ballots following a last-minute change to ballots in several precincts. This led to inaccurate vote tallies in the county's initial results. After addressing the mistakes, officials announced that Trump had, in fact, beaten by more than 3,000 votes in that county, a result that was confirmed by a hand recount of the paper ballots marked by voters. A county clerk, Cheryl Guy, later said in a report that the error was an honest mistake and that she owned, acknowledged, and accepted it. But as Trump's advisors searched for evidence to support his fake claims that the election was stolen, they focused on Antrim. You'll remember this. Having unsuccessfully pressed Rossiter and another county official for access to the voting machines, they supported an election lawsuit brought by local realtor William Bailey, who won a court order granting him access to the machines from a judge who had recently donated to Trump's campaign. The purported forensic report produced by Bailey's lawsuit created by a team that his attorney later described in a podcast interview as a forensic scientists and data collection scientist team. And they claimed the data gathered from Antrim's machines provided evidence of sweeping fraud. The machines made by Dominion Voting Systems, who's been suing everyone, which had become a focus of election conspiracy theories, were intentionally and purposefully designed to manipulate votes, according to this report. Experts have called that conclusion false, and the report is critically flawed. The 23-page report was produced by a team that included Phil Waldron, pro-Trump retired Army colonel, now best known for circulating his PowerPoint, his coup PowerPoint before January 6th, and briefing Congress and Trump on it. And he said that troops could seize ballots. The president's legal team cited alleged findings from Antrim to pressure battleground state lawmakers to reject Biden's victory whole cloth. The claims about Antrim were eventually presented as a key justification for the draft executive order for troops to seize machines. Trump cited the case of Antrim in his speech on January 6th, right before they stormed the Capitol. And Chairman Benny G. Thompson today announced the select committee has issued a subpoena to former White House trade advisor Pete Navarro. The committee is seeking records and deposition, both from Mr. Navarro, who, according to public reporting and interviews and his own book, was involved in efforts to delay Congress's certification of the 2020 election, the old Green Bay sweep. Quote, Mr. Navarro appears to have information directly relevant to the Select Committee's investigation and the causes of January 6th attack on the Capitol. He hasn't been shy about his role in efforts to overturn the results and has even discussed the former president's support for those plans. More than 500 witnesses have provided information in our investigation. We expect Mr. Navarro to do so as well. I doubt it. I really doubt it. But this would be a good case for a subpoena. Because he's not the chief of staff like Mark Meadows. He doesn't have any privilege claims. So we'll see what happens. Peter Navarro reportedly worked with Steve Bannon and others to develop and implement a plan to delay Congress's certification of and ultimately change the outcome of the presidential election. In his book, Navarro describes this plan as the Green Bay sweep. In an interview, Navarro reportedly added that former Trump was on board, as were more than 100 members of Congress. Mr. Navarro also released on his website a three-part report dubbed the Navarro Report, repeating many claims of purported fraud in the election that have been discredited in public reporting by state officials and courts. It's important to note that part of Navarro's Green Bay sweep was he said, we didn't need violence at the Capitol because we had the Green Bay sweep. Again, trying to provide cover for Trump. 
Trump didn't need to incite the riot. He didn't because we had the Green Bay sweep. He knew about that. That's a defense that he's trying to put out there. That's a little truth lubing. If you want to go back to an old phrase from the kitchen table days. So we have to kind of be careful about what we sort of push and what we're sort of looking for. You know what I mean? Anyway, up next, North Carolina State Board of Elections. Remember when I had John Bonifaz on here and he's talking about he filed the legal complaint in North Carolina for the Board of Elections to decide whether or not Madison Cawthorn could run again in that state because he participated in the insurrection. And that it was a good case in North Carolina because in North Carolina, the burden of proof is on the candidate to prove that they didn't incite an insurrection, which is weird because it's hard to prove a negative, but whatever, I'll take it. But the North Carolina State Board of Elections said on Monday, it has the power to block GOP Rep. Madison Cawthorn from running for re-election. We have the power. An open legal question at the center of a liberal-backed effort to disqualify him from office. The bipartisan election board made the assertion in a court filing in the case Cawthorn brought against the board, hoping to shut down the constitutional challenge. So Boniface and, and they, they put the challenge in, the legal challenge in. Cawthorn sued. Now we have this court filing saying, no, we're, we're allowed to do that. We're the board of elections. Liberal activists filed the challenge to his candidacy last month. And the argument revolves around the little used disqualification clause of the U.S. Constitution, which was ratified after the Civil War to prevent Confederate officials and those who supported insurrection from returning to office. Cawthorn, who's denied any wrongdoing regarding January 6th, filed a federal lawsuit to shut down the challenge. The Elections Board, in its court filing, said his lawsuit is premature and should be dismissed. The board also said it has the power to disqualify candidates based on constitutional considerations, not just based on state laws. We can do that. Oh, and by the way, his, his shit was thrown out. He was trying to say that his defense was under the Confederacy Act, a Confederacy Protection Act or something. Um, they were like, yeah, no, that's not you. Quote, states have long enforced age and residency requirements without question and with very few, if any, legal challenges. That's the board. That's the elections board in their filing. The state has the same authority to police which candidates should or should not be disqualified per Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Boom. This case is still pending in federal court. The state-level challenge to Cawthorn's candidacy was paused while North Carolina draws new congressional maps. All right, we will be right back with the host of the Politics Girl podcast, Lee McGowan. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. Today's episode of The Beans is brought to you by Allform. If you're looking for beautiful new furniture for your home, look no further. Allform creates premium furniture, customized to meet your specifications, and then ships it to your doorstep free of charge, fast and free. You can design your own luxury furniture using premium materials, but at a fraction of the cost of the regular stores. And uh, I chose a three-seater sofa with whiskey-colored leather. I could never have a leather couch with the pod pets with the cats, but this is spill stain and scratch resistant, and it has a forever warranty. I'll get to that in a minute. I also got a walnut leg finish to match my mid-mod vibe and a chaise lounge at the end. It's comfortable, stylish, and it looks great. And all form ships fast. It arrives in just five to seven days. And it's easy to assemble, no tools required. And you can choose from armchairs to love seats all the way up to eight-seat sectionals. And you can start small and add on if your home grows or your family grows. It's awesome. And you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. That's more than three months. And by the way, if you don't love it, they pick it up for free, give you a full refund. There's no restocking fee, no weirdness, no questions asked, no risk. And like I said, forever warranty, literally forever. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash daily beans. And Allform is offering 20% off all orders for listeners at allform.com slash daily beans. 
Everybody, welcome back. Happy to be joined today. I've been waiting so long to talk to you and meet you. It's Lee McGowan, host of the Politics Girl podcast on the Midas Touch Network. Lee, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. I have been watching your stuff for so long, and you're so funny and so articulate and so passionate. The way that you put together messaging is so succinct and and relatable. And I think that that's so incredibly important, especially when all we see on cable news is talking heads yelling at each other and not really getting to any substance of, of what's going on. Can you talk to us a little bit about this journey that you've been on since like about 2015? You became an American citizen in 2008. Yes. And since 2015, you've been doing uh, rants and then through TikTok. And now what led up to the Politics Girl podcast? Um, I think uh, here's the thing. I'm an immigrant. I absolutely believe in the American experiment. I love it here. And I often say sometimes it just takes an outsider to come in and say, like, what you have here is amazing. And I have always loved America. And that is coming from someone who really, truly loves their home country. Canada is a wonderful place to be from. And I'm so grateful to have been brought up there. Um, I learned a lot there that I can see in contrast to here. But I've always been very, very committed to the American experiment. And I I lived in New York during 9-11. And I think that first got me into uh, American politics and, and the role that the president plays and the role that the party plays. And I saw I saw the fallout of 9-11. I saw the fallout of 9-11 in the city itself um, and the people coming together. And um, my view from my apartment was the Twin Towers. So it was a traumatic time. But I also saw the fallout um, under the Bush administration and how certain people were treated after that. And when Bush was reelected, I thought, I can't live in this country for one more second and not vote. I have to vote. So I was married to an American at the time, but I said to him, look, I, I have to become a citizen. So I went through all of my um, all of the work. And it's not it's not it's not a joke when people talk about we need to have an easier immigration system. They're not wrong because I was already married to an American and there's a whole process just for that. But there's a lot of people who want to be American citizens who want to contribute to this country. And it is really a lot of hoops to jump through. So I became an American citizen. My first vote was for Obama. I voted in his first election and I was so proud and I was so excited to be part of the whole process. And then I was so shocked at how terribly he was treated and and how there was sort of no way he could do anything right. He had to be absolutely perfect being the first black president and his family was perfect and the way they behaved. But in some ways, I think he had to walk this line where he almost couldn't even be exactly who he wanted to be because he had to be exactly in the straight and narrow to not get it wrong. And in many ways, we both know when you're trying to be perfect, you often get it wrong because you're not being authentically yourself. I really started the Politics Girl Project after the second midterms when we lost so much of the Senate and the House. And I was devastated. And I was talking to all of my friends who are educated, really dialed in people who have every opportunity to understand what's going on in the political system. And they didn't care. They were like, half of them hadn't voted. They were like, it doesn't matter. It's all the same. It'll always end up being the same. And I thought, no, that's wrong. That's that's actually not true. If if these people who have every opportunity to engage in the system and be part of it aren't, what are the people that have no time, who are working three jobs, who are who are getting the same education you guys are, who who don't have the same opportunities? What are they supposed to do? And I thought, okay, clearly when people don't understand things, they just check out. So I want to do something that allows people to dial back in. 
So I started the Politics Girl project on uh, YouTube as a way to just sort of explain things in a very bipartisan way. Why do we have the Iowa caucus? Why does the Supreme Court matter? This kind of thing. And it it took off. It was great, but it was, I mean, it was educational. It was basically like civics with swearing, if to take your own, to take the Daily Beans um, news quote. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was trying to explain things and I was really trying to do it from a bipartisan position. And then Donald Trump kept gaining in the polls in that primary. And I thought, geez, this can't really be happening. And then I, I had this project going and I thought, well, I can't be bipartisan on this. I have a very distinct opinion on what's happening here. And then when the RNC actually made him their nominee and then they changed their platform to have no platform, except that they changed their position on Russia and all these people that had said, we are never going to support Donald Trump. Never, never, never. All of a sudden they were all behind him. And I thought that is bizarre. And so I started doing videos that were very one-sided and very direct. And of course, those are the ones that took off and went viral. So then all of a sudden I had this following and then all of a sudden he got elected and everyone and their mother was doing political commentary. And I thought, well, where the hell does my voice fit into all of this, right? Like, who cares what I have to say? I'm some lady in her house. So I waited. I did nothing. I watched politics. I saw what was happening. And I watched it sort of devolve. I watched the whole country devolve. I watched our um, interactions with each other devolve. I watched the Republican Party devolve. I just watched crime after crime happening in front of our eyes. And I thought, are we really doing nothing about this? And then as we came up on the 2020 election, I thought, no, I can't do nothing. And so I relaunched the project as a breakfast rant on TikTok to reach young people, because I thought now they're the ones that are clued out and they're the ones that this is going to affect the most because they're the ones going into this future. And that project took off. And then people said, please move it somewhere other than TikTok because we're not on TikTok. <laughs> so I moved it to Twitter. I moved it to Instagram. So it's breakfast rant and uh, politics girl. And then the podcast was just the next step because my rants are very short and they're very stylized. And I wanted to have a larger format to discuss bigger issues because I honestly really believe the more we know, the more we care and the more we care, the more we get involved. And when we're involved, then change can happen. You know? Yeah. Knowledge is the enemy of anxiety. And also I think what the GOP is trying to prevent is an educated electorate. So that's why, and, and I am with you. I started the Mueller She Wrote podcast because I'm like, this material is a fucking snoozer. Nobody is going to listen to the, you know, Robert Mueller's, you know, what, what's going on. And I mean, it's, and it's important and it's historical. And I'm like, we got to, you know, I feel like I need to make this digestible for people so that they pay attention. You know, we're talking about how the messaging had to follow. We couldn't fit the Mueller report on a bumper sticker, for example. And and so that's also why I'm so glad that you queued up with the Midas Touch guys, because they are like geniuses at messaging and, and the way that you put these succinct bits together just fits perfectly. And you mentioned the devolution of, of the Republican Party. I wanted to ask you, we've recently seen in the news, especially with the, you know, the former vice president, Mike Pence, speaking at the, the Federalist Society. And saying that what Trump did was un-American and that he can't overturn the election and that Trump is wrong if he thinks that he could. Now, he didn't go all the way and say that the election wasn't fraudulent, uh, which he could and should have. And he's no hero. I'm not patting him on the back for any of this, but, you know, by no means. But it it did, I think, because McConnell had sort of been mealy-mouthed about it. But for, for Pence to come out and say that, albeit 13 months late, 
I think, drove this giant wedge into the two sides of the Republican Party. And I am more optimistic about this midterm, which historically we would lose, than I would normally be because of this huge chasm that is being driven right now, seemingly right down the middle of the Republican Party. And now we've got Mitch McConnell on board saying that it was an insurrection, but he already did. What are your thoughts on how this fracturing of the Republican Party uh, now on display for all to see and the infighting in the Republican Party? How will that impact the midterms? And, And what do you think the Republican Party is going to look like when all is said and done? Well, <laughs> look, I, I don't know how I can't automatic. I can't honestly say how it will affect them in terms. I think we're going to have to watch it unfold. I do think that the Republican Party is good at one thing and they do it very well. And it's playing as a team. Yep. They can be the cruelest team in the world that will shiv you in the back. But when it comes when push comes to shove, they pull it together. They could absolutely hate what the other person is doing, but they will vote like a block. They will vote to win. They play to win. And so this divide says to me that it is possible that the MAGA side, which I believe the McConnell side never had any intention of standing behind. I don't think the McConnell side likes the MAGA side very much. I believe McConnell had a good thing going He knows how to work our government. So he gets exactly what he wants. He knew what he was doing with the Federalist Society to stack our courts because they don't have policy anymore. They're not coming up with party lines or here's what we think we should do for Medicare. or Here's what we think we should do for the poor. Here's what we think we should do at the border. It's just everything you're doing is bad. You're bad. You're bad. You're bad. We have no alternatives. But what you're offering is terrible. And you can keep passing laws and we will keep putting judges in to stop the laws, which is what we see all the time now with the Supreme Court, right? They have put that Supreme Court together very specifically. They put our federal judges together very specifically. And that's the McConnell line of the Republican Party. The MAGA line of the Republican Party got them the power they wanted. It got them their three judges. It got them. And I think they kind of went, well, People love them. Let's go along, you know, and they'll go along until it doesn't serve them anymore. They are very calculated, smart people. And I think McConnell knows something's coming for Trump. This is my my guess. He knows because anyone who's paying attention knows that the mountain of evidence that the one six committee and the state of Georgia, the state of New York has against this one man who has dodged repercussions for his entire life is coming for him. Now, they don't want to be on that. And I I believe Adam Schiff himself said, you guys have tied yourself to this man at this point. But there are certain people that have little razors and they're going to get themselves out of that mess. And I think Mitch McConnell is the perfect person to do that. And I think the fact that they are backing away from him, like you said, Mike Pence is no hero. The man is the weakest creature. But if he is stepping away, it says to me he knows they're going down. And if he can, he's a rat jumping the ship. Now, I don't know how many of them will get pulled down with them. And God forbid, I hope they I hope the entire mess of them get caught up in the web of what they have done. If they all go down, the midterms are going to look very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. But I do think that people have been engaged through this. I do think that in many ways, as hideous as this has been, it has awakened people to the fact that you have to pay attention, that democracy is not promised to us. 
that it is a participation sport. And if you don't participate, these are the hideous leaders you're going to get. And so people are, if not awake, awakening. And they know that if they don't vote in the midterms, we're going to end up with more Matt Gateses and more Marjorie Taylor Greens and more Lauren Boebert because people are, they're inspired by their cruelty and by their baseness. And if we don't all engage, we can see that the Republicans are trying to stop us from voting. That's not because our votes don't count. It's because they do, right? If our votes didn't count so much, they wouldn't want to stop us from voting. So we need to like really get engaged. And I think in some ways, the disgustingness of this behavior is engaging. Yeah, no, I, I agree. We have and, a gift to democracy. And, and, and it's true. <laughs> we end up with the government we deserve, you know. Sadly. We are the government. And, and I feel like so many people are waiting for someone to save it, waiting for Pelosi to save it, waiting for Schumer to save it, waiting for Merrick Garland to save it. No. And we should have learned from the Mueller investigation. Oh, God. That no one person can fix it. That's what Donald Trump was running on. I alone can fix it. I am the savior. But that's authoritarianism, right? I mean, that's fascism. That's the cult of the leader. That's one person makes the final command. That's not American democracy. No, it no, it definitely isn't. And one person who this was probably the coolest moment that I've that I've seen in a really long time. You got to interview Press Secretary Jen Psaki. And and I was I was putting her name out before they named a press secretary. I'm like, she needs to be press secretary. She is badass. She gives me West Wing vibes. I am in love with this woman. I know. And I just, I have to ask you before I let you go, what it was like to talk to Jen Psaki and how that whole, I mean, if people haven't seen the episode, you need to just keep sharing that episode. It's so good. I mean, all your stuff is so great, but this was particularly got me. And she's just such a badass. She really is. I mean, here's the thing, you know, the Dalai Lama ages ago said, that society will be saved by the Western woman. And it has always been in my mind because look, we're Western women are a group of women who have found our voice and who are being mouthy. And we're being out here because we're smart and we're engaged and we know what we're doing. And we're finally at that stage in the patriarchy where we can just sort of break free a little bit and say, Hey, I've got other ideas. You know, like we might've just caught our first vice president, but like we got all these thoughts. I feel like Jen Psaki is the perfect embodiment of the Western woman. She is engaged and she is educated and she is smart. And she speaks, like you said, like she's on the West Wing. It is fast and her brain is moving quickly. And she works that press room in a way that I said to her on the show, I was like, I don't know how you're doing it because I, you can't miss what I feel on my face, right? Like my husband (laughs) says to me all the time, he says, Lee, please check your face because my face is like, <laughs> you're a what? Like this guy's an idiot. You Lee, know? That is so idiot. funny because I, that was like one of the things when I was working for the department of veterans affairs for so long, I would sit in meetings and somebody would be talking and I would be like, like I would just have this look on my face and, and yeah. my boss would look at me and was like face face. And I'm like, Oh, Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. yeah I'm totally a hundred percent on board. And so what she does, what she is able to do where she can speak to the moment, speak to the thing, speak to the person that has just said the most bananas thing and not say like, what did you just say? Like, I can't with that. She's so brilliant. But the thing is, is that that's what we need. And I don't mean to say this because God bless. I'm raising a son. I have a wonderful husband. Men are wonderful. No, no, no shade to men. 
But there is something wonderful about seeing more female voices come out and saying like, here are my ideas. I've got this. I'm on top of this. I don't need to apologize to you for having this thought. And I feel like Jen embodies that so much. And she's also just lovely. Mm. She's a lovely, kind person and a mother. And we can be all these things. Women can be all these things at the same time and still say, hey, you know what? I've got an opinion on this and I'm going to tell you about it. And like, don't freak out. And in some ways, those are the people we need to engage in democracy anyway. I think about the amount of times I've spoken to my girlfriends who are my own age and they used to just, their eyes would glaze over and I'd be like, you guys need to care about this. And they were like, Lee, oh my God, with the politics, like, please stop. <laughs> and the thing is, is that it's an earworm. Once you start talking about it, it's there. So then you hear something on the radio or you hear something on the news. It's no longer something that just goes over your head. You're like, oh, Jesus, that's the thing Lee was talking about at lunch. And then you're like, well, actually, I do have an opinion on that. And I do actually think that. And one of my girlfriends called me the other day and she was like, I was listening to someone talk about something and I spoke up and I said something. And she's like, I've never done that. You know me, I'm not like that. And I was like, I'm so proud of you. She was like, well, I thought I know about this and I can explain this and I can understand this. And I thought, that's what we need. We need so many more people, young people, old people, but particularly women to say, I don't need to vote the way my husband votes. I don't need to vote the way my mom votes. I don't need to vote. I've got all these ideas and I'm going to do it. And I feel like Jen is the perfect embodiment of that. And she just, I know, I have such a girl crush on her. <laughs> I know, me too. Her and Rachel Vindman. Oh, totally. I had her on the show right after. <laughs> oh, she's amazing. She's yeah, such so a great lucky. interview. She's so cool. Yeah, I remember my mom would drag me to the polls when I was very young because they, you know, they didn't have childcare. That's not, they, that wasn't a thing back then. And my mom looked at me and she said, this, that's back when the boxes were wooden and the curtains were made of cloth and they were metal rings. And she's like, in here, I can say whatever I want and no man can stop me. And I thought that was just the coolest thing. So anyway, it's been really great having you. I really appreciate it. Everybody check out the Politics Girl podcast on the Midas Touch Network. And you can follow her on Twitter at I am Politics Girl. Lee, it's been so great to talk to you. Oh, thank you for having me. I sincerely appreciate it. It's you're doing such great work over there. And I'm just I'm glad to be a part of it. You too. Thank you so much. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hi, I'm Francis Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. And we're Frangela. You know what you need in your life? Hmm. The Final Word Podcast. Yes, you do. That's right. It is the final word on all things political and pop cultural. Where we make real news real funny. Where we inspire you so you can hashtag resist. Subscribe and get a new episode of The Final Word Podcast each week. It's the news we think you need to hear. That's right. We think you need to hear it. Okay. Yeah, it's what we say so. That's right. And because all we do is give, every Thursday you can listen to our hysterical podcast, Idiot of the Week. We round up the stupid because you know what? Somebody has to. Okay. All we do is give. All right, everybody. Welcome back. It's time for the good news. And it's Friday. That means, no, it's not. It's just Thursday. I'm kidding. <laughs> but Dana is out right now. She's doing a live show in New York. Oh, how fun. Yeah. So sitting in is Amy Carrero. I'm so excited. Hey. And thanks, Dana, for sitting in for me last week. Yar. And, and of course, you'll be back tomorrow, too. So yes. if you have any cases you want to submit for Amy's court, you can do that now because she'll be back tomorrow and it's yes. going to be rad. 
So, gazpacho police <laughs> is trending right now. And I think some of the my favorite puns so far are that they're, they're, they're going to be thrown in the goulash instead of the gulag. Yep. And I saw Patton Oswalt say, gazpacho police arrest this flan, which I think is wonderful. <laughs> and I was going to post, she's so fucking stupid with P-H-O fucking, but I haven't just, I've, I, I haven't. think you should. I really, I really think you should. And, you know, this is what happens when you ban books. Hmm. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Are you fucking it kidding is. me? Gaspacho police? You have to be <laughs> like so far out of the realm of anything going on. I just I don't understand. I really don't understand. But she's getting the fucking whip whiplash she deserves on Twitter. Yeah, it's really it's really great. And we all needed a good laugh. Yes. So anyone who's like, oh, she's distracting you, I don't give a shit. Anyone who's like Oh, she's just trying to get you to share the video. I don't fucking care. It's hilarious. We all need to laugh. Yeah, and she looks and... stupid as fucking it. It's not like <laughs> it's not like anyone's gonna be like, wait a minute, she got the name wrong, but she's making a good point. Like, you know. Yeah. And nobody that like listens to this or follows us is gonna be tricked, you know. So yeah. I'm not I'm not too concerned. Let's hope not, at least. Uh, no, and you know what? Bye to them. Farewell, if that's the case. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'm going to kick us off with good news. If you have good news, corrections, confessions, you want something for Amy's court tomorrow, dong dong. Mm-hmm. Anything you want, your whoopee stories, you can send them into us. Oh, and also creators, if you're making something, let us know. Ooh, Give us your website. Yes. We'll shout you out. Go to dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. That's how you do that. And again, huge. Another big thank you to everyone who's been throwing. We've gotten like 100 new subscribers premium feed subscribers in the last few days because because of the spotify Spotify. yeah i love it love to hear it thank you thank you all so much it's three bucks a month if you can swing it you get all three shows ad free plus all the happy hours and meetups and shit like that and that's patreon.com slash muller she wrote it's rad great all right first up from jenna pronouns she and her heard you want to see creative things here's Mm -hmm. my own design rainbow blanket Crocheting has gotten me through many days in this pandemic. Keep spreading the word on PTSD and how it can be treated. It's awesome to hear mental health be normalized. Stay well. Oh, whoa, whoa, wait, that's not like a little craft. That's like a professional blanket. Yeah. And it's almost like an optical illusion. Like, yeah. what is this blanket when I was dropping acid in the 80s? <laughs> so Literally. Cool. Also, though, like you could I'm just saying, like, I don't know how long it took you to. Well, look at the edging on that. It's like zigzag on the edge. It's amazing. It's amazing. Wow. 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 We're thoroughly impressed. You could charge lots of money for this. Indeed. That's beautiful. I absolutely love it. Well done. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you want to do the next ones? That was so short. No, you go ahead. We'll just. Swap. Okay. Okay, great. Next up from Rowan, pronouns he, him. Hi, everyone. Love the shows. You all have been a huge element of why I have not absolutely lost my mind over the last four years. I'm responding to the call for the makers and to share some good news. I finished writing a memoir. Holy shit. (gasps) This past summer. Wow. It's the story Mm -hmm. of my first queer relationship in high school with someone who had a terminal illness. Oh, my gosh. I need to read this book. Um, But like, it's also fun. Rowan says, I swear, it felt great to finally get it into the page after rolling around in my head for years. And frankly, also pleasant to focus on something other than politics. Totally. Mm. I have a request for the community, though. Does anyone know any agents or publishers looking for stories about trans teenagers? 
long shot, but you never know. Here's a picture of our cat, Rith, who has been sneaking into our neighbor's house to eat their food. This face is apparently what they have been seeing in the afternoon when he appears in the bushes by their front porch. What an adorable creep he is. Look at that toad. He's Whoa. creeping. That's a creep. He's creeping. That's, yes. Rowan, send this send this manuscript to, to me at hello at Muller, she wrote. Put manuscript looking for agent in the subject line. <gasps> uh, I have a couple of people I can, I can shop it out to. That's so rad. That's so because cool. Those are the books that need to get out there. Hell yeah. And right. maybe I'm just saying, I'm, I'm thinking and manifesting. Maybe we can get like an option, like a film option on there. I'm just saying people are looking for books to make into movies and TV shows. So dream big. Yeah. Where you can cast trans people to play trans people like you're Hell supposed yeah. to. Yeah. All right. Next up from Dean, pronouns he and him. Thanks for reading my good news on the show Tuesday. It was a huge surprise for my wife, Katie. She was not expecting to hear her name or mention the song. Num Enough, the song that she wrote on your show. You also asked me two questions when you read my good news on the show. One, did we get the pup for the other dog? We did indeed get Emmy Lou, the huge baby boxer, so that Jax, the bully mix with the one blue eye, could have a buddy. And so glad we did. They love each other and we can't imagine life without these two silly pups. That's so great, Dean. Number two, when I shared that my kids started asking to listen to the beans on their ride to school, I suggested it was the swearing. But you were right. I asked my daughter, June, and she immediately says she loves the music. Uh, (laughs) And the cursing is also cool. I could not agree more. I'm telling you, Dean, kids love They Might Be Giants. You need to go out and start getting them. They Might Be Giants. They have specific records for kids like that teach you about James K. Polk and the sun and mammals and stuff. They're just so good. The kids love They Might Be Giants, as do I. So rad. I love to hear it. Next up, we've got Eric, pronouns he, him. I so much love and appreciate the work you do on The Beans, Muller, She Wrote, and Aisle 45. I found you a bit later than the kitchen days. I have been a listener and fan of Andrew over at Opening Arguments for years. I started listening to you through his recommendation. You asked for a maker submission, so I thought I'd share what I just finished. With our first freeze here, I'm assuming that means weather. My curious little boys, (laughs) right? Miami, Los Angeles. Literally, no idea. Sounds like weather. It sounds like weather. (laughs) I don't know her. Never heard of her. Um, (laughs) My little boys, eight and six, were breaking up the ice in our bird bath. Oh, yeah. And broke the bath itself. Admittedly, it was rather flimsy to start with. Inspired by a trip to Rome. Oh, cool. And Herculaneum, my wife and I took in 2019, just before COVID, I decided to make a new one with a mosaic design. After working on it in my free time, being dad to active boys doesn't leave much. I finished this week. I thought you might like to see. Keep up the good work and stay in the fight. There are many out here who love you. Aww. Oh, Eric, Whoa. this is wonderful. That's rad. That's beautiful. It does look sort of Gre- Grecian. Oh, boy. Right. Or Roman. Roman. Or like, or, yeah, yeah. Over there, Mediterranean style. Mm-hmm. Very Dude, cool. that is awesome. Wow. I didn't even. Did you use a pattern for that or you just wing it? That's, That's amazing. amazing. Wing it. (laughs) (laughs) As a bird. (laughs) All right. Next up from anonymous pronouns, she and her. Hey, AGDG, Amy and the crew. I wanted to send animal photos. That's pretty much why I'm writing in. That's perfect. That is a perfect reason to to write in. (laughs) Yes. I can add that I'm quite happy that my partner and I will finally be getting our booster shots. Mm -hmm. First pick is my brother's cat. They're staying with my parents this winter. He rescued her from the side of the road eight years ago in Virginia. The second pick which I wish was better, 
might be considered a snapshot of life on Cape Cod. When you're trying to leave, a lumber yard and a couple of horny turkeys are blocking the way because they're trying to mate. (gasps) Thanks for all you do. Hope everyone's having a lovely day. Okay, but wait, you buried the lead here. We're living in Cape Cod? Look at the kitty. And then let's see this this turkey. Oh, yep. There they go. Listen, I'd be fucking in parking lots, too, if I lived on Cape Cod. I'd be very happy. <laughs> I'd be always in the mood. Are you kidding me? That's amazing. Oh, it's beautiful. Look Gorgeous. at the wainscoting. You can tell it's Cape Cod by the shelving and the ear. Like, that's oh, totally yeah. Cape Cod. Yeah, I bet you that house can rent very fast. If you yeah. I'm just saying, just let us know if it's for rent. Uh, maybe we'll do a live right. show from uh, Cape Cod. I'm just saying. Yeah. Throwing out ideas. Um, okay, next up. Oh, no, is it me? Yeah. Yeah, from yeah. Also anonymous, pronouns she, her. Hello, oh, 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 oh. And a huge shout out to our girl, A.G. Congratulations. I think she means, I think she means hello. Oh, <laughs> like, like Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. And also I, I opened the show with hello and welcome to the Daily Bean. Well, so that's course. probably. Like- Good grief. Amy, I'm, I have ADHD and English is my second language. So here we go. Hello. And a huge shout out to our girl, A.G. Congratulations, Allison, on all of your successes. I'm a fangirl, crazy for Dana's contagious laugh. Me fucking too. Dana Mm -hmm. is responsible for the coffee that has spewed through my nose while listening to you. (laughs) Amy, you, of course, bring us all hope and joy. And I have a case for Amy's court. (gasps) Huge thank you for making my mornings awesome. First, a confession. When I first started listening, I thought all of you were much younger, like young enough to be my kids who were in their late 20s, early 30s. You all came into my life when all of my kids, my family, all stopped talking to me. Oh, I was very outspoken about who I believed Trump really was way back when. So uh, you all have been my surrogate kids since they chose not to believe me about Trump. My daughter's name is also Allison. Ooh. Imagine how I laughed when I learned y'all can't be my daughters. I'm 57, but y'all gonna have to be my sisters. Oh, how sweet. <laughs> I'm sad and I miss my children and our own kitchen table days. I miss when they respected my opinion. I am stubborn, especially when I am right. I hear you. <laughs> so once it all comes out that Donald Trump is a mobbed up Russian asset. Do I continue to wait for them to admit they were wrong? How do you tell someone they're misinformed without them being angry? How do you get them to listen? Thanks for the very informative Daily Beans and your amazing guests. For Pod Pet Tax, Annie and Dolly, mother-daughter, golden doodle dynamic duo, resting after playing in the snow. These fur babies are the best kids. Oh my God, that's a beautiful dog. Gorgeous. All right. I'm the wrong person to ask about this because I I feel like I I know that the I think intellectually and I've read so much about like how do we move people from positions of, you know, you know, anti-vax positions or or, you know, if they believe in conspiracy theories or whatever. Like, so I know intellectually that the way to go is to listen to them and listen to their concerns and listen to what they have to say and not like, you know, make them feel stupid or make them feel small or whatever. But that is literally fucking impossible for me, like in some instances. So I, I hear you and I wish I had better advice. I think if we listen to the professionals, you know, people who convince others and educate others for a living, I think it's, I think it's that, I think you you have to like, listen to what they're saying. And, and in a way it's like, almost like 
really consider it, even though it sounds completely ridiculous and moronic, like I think it's giving them the consideration that they may have a point goes a very long way. That's what I've heard. Yeah. And I also think that this might be a teachable moment, right? When it all comes tumbling down and they find out that if they actually, once Trump is arrested or whatever, and they actually go, oh shit, I was wrong. If they actually do admit that they were wrong. Yeah. Then I, then I think, you know, showing grace, like, yes, yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, just be like, I'm really sorry that, you know, that, that, that all this has happened this way. And you could, Mm -hmm. I think you could use it as a lesson to first show that grace. And second, to show how important it is to, to stand by, what you believe in your heart. Yeah. That's so um, wise. I think that that would immediately disarm me if like somebody, you know, if I was already embarrassed that I was wrong about something that I really put all my weight behind and somebody like sh- gave me that sort of grace, I I think I would be very humbled by that. And and also maybe like I don't know, people always say you really can't you can't fight like feelings. Like you can you can you know, argue and go back and forth about like facts or perceived facts or whatever. But, you know, I think sometimes as something as simple as like, you know what, I reacted this way because he made me feel completely powerless and it made me feel like I was losing you and like I didn't know you anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. Right. I feel like starting with that, like the feelings. But I think your advice is better. Well, and also very smart people uh, get get wrapped up in in bad narcissist people's webs. Yes. And, you know, you could talk about abused people. Right. In relationships who are very smart and very talented, mm-hmm. who's who end up in that situation. And it's no fault of their own. They're right. they're the victim. They're the survivor. Yeah. Not the other way around. And to be like, I'm sorry, he was, a, you know, he's just a bad guy and that, you you know, you had to endure that. Yeah. And, and sort of treat it like that and be like, yeah. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. And I've always been here for you. And I love you. And the and that grace, then they'll want to pass that grace on when, when it, that happens to them in their life and they have the opportunity to do so. And, and also, you know, to, to stick to your guns, to listen to, to listen to your heart and listen to your intuition instead of what everyone else is saying. I think it's just a great opportunity to, to teach those things, however old they are. Damn, that's perfect. Yep. That's exactly right. Awesome. All right. Thank you for that submission. Honestly, really, really great question. Next up from Heather Ann, pronoun she and her. This is our final submission today. So this submission can fit into misgendered cat names and mm-hmm. find the cat. In 2020, I told my daughter I wanted two baby kittens for my birthday. I'm not much into astrology, but I decided one should be named Leo for my sign anyway. When she brought me the two little fluff balls, I asked if we could name the other one Bagheera. I booped her little nose and assigned their names. And henceforth, the sweet, sweet girl has been known as Leo. She doesn't mind. So find Leo in these three picks. I figured out when they were about a year old that these little floofs are Norwegian forest cats. Oh, they're so beautiful. I've never heard such a thing before. It turns out they love playing in the snow. Did you see her in the snowy picture? Do you see her? Leo is quite timid and makes her best effort to get away from anyone but me or her brother. So when my daughter came by with her 100 pound Anatolian shepherd last week, Leo demonstrated how good of a climber uh, wedgies are, which I guess is Ouija's. Okay, Ouija's are Norwegian forest cats. Do you see her? Fortunately, they're also good at descending back down from such a limb. Thankfully. And the third pick is for Amy's court. I really can't tell you what happened here, but where do you think Leo is when this shot was taken of her brother Bagheera? Man, right, I cannot see. find this cat in the first picture. I've been trying to for the last 45 seconds. Huh. Do you see the cat? Let me see. 
Blowing it up, blowing it up. Uh, no. This might be the hardest find the cat we've ever done. I do not see the cat. Holy shit, I do not see this fucking cat. Oh. I'm looking up. I'm trying to look. Oh, wait, there. Where, where? Under the, see the, the tree on the left? Yeah. Underneath. Oh, my God. That looks like some sort of root. <laughs> so cute. Oh my gosh, how cute is that? Wait, okay, now we have to find in the second picture up in the tree. She's up in the tree. Oh my I god. I don't know. Where's the what this is come on now. That's very cute. Oh, there I see. Where? Do you see? No. Almost middle, almost at the top of the picture. Whoa, what? Is that safe? Well, I guess so. They're used to it. Oh, <gasps> baby all right okay found the cat mm. oh look how beautiful is that okay. a beard or did she eat some fur i think well she was like where's the brother so i'm trying to find the other where do you think the other brother was when he took the when he took the picture oh my god i don't know on its back no 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 the last picture where was it taken oh where was it i think is what she's taken. oh i thought it was like i can't remember. where do you think it I don't know. What? I'm confused. Okay. Let me read it again. Let me read it again. Okay. Okay. I can't really tell you what happened here. Okay. Do you see her? Fortunately, they're also good at descending back down. And the third pick, the third pick, can't really tell you what happened here, but where do you think Leo is when this shot Shot was was taken taken of her brother? So where's Leo? Because this is Bagheera in the picture. It looks like took a bite out of Yeah, literally like maybe Leo just, or Bagheera just like, tried to like grab Leo by its by her tail because it so looks like I, I'm gonna oh. guess I'm gonna guess Leo's up a tree <laughs> in oh that third God. picture <laughs> you have to tell me if I'm right I don't have an answer here so you have to tell us if we're right Heather Ann so we found the cats and in the third picture it looks like bite oh. was taken out of Leo and Leo is up a tree somewhere yeah it, it looks like she, she Bagheera tried to like either eat Leo's ass or tail <laughs> one of the two so funny what cuties such cuties oh thank you so much everybody for your submissions if you have anything you're creating or you want to send just pictures of your pets find the cat what the mutt or any of your Whoopi stories, which I still love. Uh, I, I'm happy to receive them all and we will read them. And of course, tomorrow we'll have Amy's court again. If you have any disagreements that need to be settled <clears throat> by a professional, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you can send everything into dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Again, thanks to the patrons so much. I love you guys. And uh, do you have any final thoughts, Amy, before we get out of here? Can't wait to talk to you tomorrow. I might have a case for Amy's court tomorrow, but we'll see. Oh, again, in this case, it'll be AG's court. Sweet. Bring it in. I'm looking forward to it. To be continued. That's going to be rad. Do, do, do. All right. Until tomorrow, everybody, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been Amy Carrero. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.